Well, it's great to be here this morning. Fantastic to see all your lovely faces. Did anyone forget to change the clocks this morning? No, no. Well, I'd like to say my watch says almost half ten, so I've got an hour and a half of preaching. Are you up for that? Woo! Uh, <laughs> we, we are carrying on our theme of up this morning. Uh, points for anyone who remembers the previous two ups. This is just a test to see if anyone's been listening to Adrian. Anyone remembering up? Upsie Daisy is not one of them. Makeup is not one of them. We've had Wake Up and we have had Look Up. Look Up. Uh, this morning we're focusing on Take Up. Uh, it's also another special occasion for someone in the house this morning. Uh, where's Gary? Gary today is 55 years old. Yeah. Just for the record, Gary, I don't think you look a day over 54. But uh, uh, I, I said to Gary when I found out, I said, Gary, you're looking remarkably trim and fit for 55. Uh, it must be all that cycling that you're doing. And he looked at me up and down and said, maybe you should take up cycling. This morning we're looking at take up. But I'm not encouraging you to take up cycling. Although it's a great thing, Gary, that you're doing. Fantastic. Uh, a number of times in the Bible, the phrase appears, take up. Uh, Jesus spoke to the, the man who was paralyzed, take up your mat and walk. Uh, it also says to take up your shield, take up your mantle. But today, we're going to focus on two other take-ups that appear in the Bible. And uh, as we're thinking about take-up, let's remember what it means. It means to become interested or engaged in a pursuit, to accept an offer or a challenge that someone has made to you. And this morning, as we consider these take-ups, uh, I, I want to, right at the outset of this time, together say that these take-ups are not comfortable, uh, and certainly a challenge for us. So as we think about the meaning of that, yes, I'm offering a challenge, but only the challenge that comes through God's Word this morning. There is a challenge. This is not going to be an ear-tickling message, uh, so, you know, belt yourselves in for the ride, because I'm sure that, actually, the, the Holy Spirit might just speak to us on some of these things this morning. So we're... Uh, the first thing that we are going to look at is take up the cause. Take up the cause. Um, there we go. Uh, some of you may have signed up for some Facebook causes in the past. There's some funny causes that people fight for on Facebook. I don't know if you know this, but uh, one of the causes you find on Facebook is lobster empathy. <laughs> then the tagline for that is lobsters are people too. Uh, for me, they make good food too. Uh, there is also the Bill of Rights for Plants. Uh, another cause you might discover on Facebook. Uh, and there's also remove negative portrayals of snakes in movies. Is another cause. They could have gone with a shorter title really, couldn't they, for that. Uh, but also, thinking about the series Up, anyone seen the Pixar film Up? Yeah, I was desperate to find a clip of Up, just because the series is called Up, uh, to do with what I'm sharing on. But I didn't find that, but I did find a cause on Facebook that was connected loosely to Up. Uh, there was a lady called uh, Edith Macefield, and uh, she lived in a house, refused to sell it, even when she got offered a million pounds uh, because they wanted to destroy and build a, a big uh, skyscrapers in America. Uh, it, uh, just like on the movie, Up, if you've not seen it, it's an emotional film, you should watch it. And uh, 
And people took to Facebook to plead the cause that that house wouldn't be destroyed. And I joined the wonderful and weird world of Facebook back in September 2007. And and my first friend was uh, the then Gail Jackson, now Hastings. And uh, she was also the first to write on my wall uh, with the comment, hey, I get to write on your wall first. Um, to which I replied, I don't know really what I'm doing. <laughs> which, which became more and more evident because as things came up on my news feed, uh, causes that I thought were great, I would click and join on causes. One of those causes I got a Facebook invite for was to join what I deemed as an incredibly worthy uh, cause called Andrew Days of the World. And uh, I, I joined that. Uh, it had the tagline, a place to bring all the Andrew Days of the world together. It's great, isn't it, that? It's great. Uh, the, the, I was the third person to join. The first person was the founder, who was called um, Andrew Day. The, the second person to join was also called Andrew Day. And evidently, I am Andrew Day. Um, and... Uh, it, it opened up a whole world for me. Andrew Day's living in Scotland and London and South Asia and America. Incredible. We got to 40 Andrew Days on our uh, Andrew Days of the World course on Facebook. And then it suddenly dawned on me, why? It's, and I joined all these other courses on Facebook and it suddenly dawned on me, why? Uh, what difference is it really making to click on a cause rather than live for a cause. And church, this morning, we are not called, called to just click on a cause, but we are called to live for a cause. And it's in Christ that we discover a purpose and a cause to live for. And that's something that I want to explore, because the Bible encourages us to take up the cause. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Learn to do right, seek justice, Encourage the oppressed. Take up the cause. Everyone say, take up the cause. cause. Fantastic, we're still awake. Of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And we're encouraged again in the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 27, to do this, that the religion that God accepts as pure and faultless is to take up the cause of reaching out to the orphans, the widow, and to not be corrupted by the world. It's an incredible encouragement for us today to take up the cause. And we take up the cause because God cares about social righteousness. God cares about social injustices. And there are things that stirred the heart of Jesus. And we often read that he was moved and motivated by compassion. He reached out to the needy and he reached out to the vulnerable. We read how he lived and he died for a cause. In fact, when he was before Pontius Pilate, when Pontius Pilate was questioning Jesus before he was to be crucified, in the book of John we read that Jesus said these words, For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. You see, it's in Jesus Christ that we find a cause to share with the world around us. A cause that brings truth, that brings hope, that brings love, that brings salvation And some of the greatest organizations of our day have actually been birthed in the hearts of Christians who are willing to share compassion with the world around them, that are willing to take up the cause. 
And uh, one of my heroes, I might have said this before, and I don't care because he's still my hero, is William Booth. Anyone heard of William Booth? William Booth, born in Nottingham, somewhere over there uh, at Snenton Way. Uh, he's an incredible character, um, William Booth is. Um, he was uneducated. He was born into relative poverty. And in fact, at the age of 13, he was sent out to do an apprenticeship to bring income in for his family. And uh, at 15 years old, though, something significant changed in his life. And that significant thing was that he gave his life to Jesus. He became a Christian. And in that moment of giving his life to, life to Jesus, he decided that he wanted to serve Jesus with his whole life. And God birthed in him a desire to take up a cause, a co- to live for a cause greater than himself at 15 years old. And one day he prayed, what is this cause going to be? What is it that you want me to do with my life, Father God? And in that moment, as he opened the front door of his house and stepped onto the streets, his, his eyes seemed to open up. And he saw the children begging for money. He saw the prostitutes trying to earn a keep. He, he saw the homeless begging for money. He saw his eyes seemed to open to all these things, and he took up the cause. And he started what we now know is the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army is now one of the biggest, greatest world distributors of humanitarian aid. I love that, that it started with one man willing to take up a cause in his generation. And uh, he understood what it was like to take up the cause for the fatherless, to plead the case for the widow, defend the oppressed. He knew what that was all about. And too often people uh, are critical how people got in that position rather than being willing to help them out of that position. And church, I said, this is not going to be an easy message today. But this is something that we really need to embrace, especially now, some of the things that we're seeing on the news. Ours is not to judge people, but ours is to help people, to love them, to point them to Jesus. I wonder what it would look like for each of us to take up the cause. I wonder what it would look like for each of us to take up the cause of Christ in our generation, to, to risk, to step out in faith, to understand God's heart for other people. And maybe, and I believe that many of us already are, you know, I'm so encouraged to be part of a church that is generous with love and gifts and uh, support many worthy causes. Uh, Operation Christmas Child. I mean, we were, we were unindated, unindated, is that the word? We had... We had a load of them come in last year, shoeboxes, loads of them. And uh, it'd be great if we could exceed that this year. And I think we're on target too, because uh, we've had to order more boxes. Fantastic. A Teen Challenge. I know that many of you support and sponsor Teen Challenge and sponsor teenagers that are uh, facing addiction. I, I know that we, as a house, we've got our uh, old people's home in India. Another great and worthy cause. We heard earlier how many of you donated and supported to, to release the young people to go to the gathering and experience the powerful presence of God. So it's great to be part of a church where we're already applying that timeless truth of taking up the cause. But for maybe some of us, we've let go of some of those visions and dreams that God has given us that once burned in our hearts. And I want to encourage you, take up the cause again. Take up the cause. I I remember when I uh, started, uh, before I started uh, serving young people, uh, ministering to young people, 
I remember I had a dream. In fact, I want a dream. I would say it was a night terror. Uh, and in this night terror that I had, uh, I was stood in San Diego and uh, there was young people getting absolutely blottoed, getting drunk out of their head, beating each other up, pushing each other into the canal, some horrible stuff going off. And I woke up in cold sweats thinking, this is horrible. This is horrible. But what it did, God birthed the cause in my heart that night. It was never about a job. It was never about a dream, really. It was about the cause. The cause. I want to encourage you. What is the cause that God has birthed in your hearts? Because maybe it's time for us to take up that cause. Not all of us are called to third world missions or work among the homeless. But as Christians, we are called to take up the cause of Christ. To stand on the foundations of our faith and carry his heart. I love it where it says in 1 John, through our compassion to others, his love is brought to full expression in us. It's our compassion for others, the living for that cause, where we're overwhelmed with that full expression of God's love. And, uh, you know, as we, as we consider taking up the cause, uh, let's be motivated by Christ's compassion. Because as Christians, we should be compelled to carry a cause that's driven by the compassion of Christ. And it was exemplified in the cross of Christ, where Jesus, in his last dying breaths on the cross, spoke forgiveness over his murderers, where he spoke hope to a dying criminal, and where he spoke out of concern that his mother be cared for. You see, even in his closing moments on the cross, Jesus took up the cause. And uh, we see so much uh, in our world of people taking up A cause that maybe isn't a worthy cause. But listen, I want to say this to us this morning, that carrying a cause, taking up a cause, and carrying a cause is not about taking up a placard, but taking up a position. It's not about protesting, or just protesting what is happening in the world, but it's taking up a position in a society where we can influence. It's it's, it's where you work, it's whether it's at university, or at college, or where your Saturday job might be, or when when you're with your family or your neighbours. Wherever we are, God has placed you there for an opportunity to influence. Take up your position. What, What if we became a spokesperson of righteousness where God has positioned us? What if we encouraged the oppressed, the bullied, the downtrodden? What, what if we became a positive voice of encouragement in our workplaces? What if, in those areas of our lives, we took our position and took up the cause? And I want to encourage you to take up the cause. There's uh, one of the girls that um, not long ago uh, gave her life to Jesus through the school's work, got, uh, got, got radically saved, baptized, and God really put a burning desire to help be a voice for the bullied. Uh, And I think that's fantastic because this is a girl who had no voice that other people bullied. And uh, it's actually last year at the gathering, we was absolutely blown out of the water because she she was with us one minute. This is a girl who never spoke, no confidence. She was on the stage talking to 1,500 people about what God wanted to do. Let God birth a cause in our hearts. Second thing, second thing that we want to look at is uh, in our take up this morning is take up your cross. Take up your cross. Here this morning we see our rugged cross. Um, and there's a, there is a cost when living for a cause. 
So I'm talking about taking up a cause, but there is a cost involved in that. Taking up the cause of Christ will inevitably, inevitably mean taking up your cross. And as Christians, the cause is embedded in the cross. Take up. If you've got your Bibles with you, you might want to turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 8. A few verses we're going to read there. And it comes after Jesus taught his disciples of his coming rejection and death and resurrection. Mark chapter 8. And while you're finding that, I'm going to have a little gargle of water. Oh, lovely. Fresh this morning, Dave. Last week's. (laughs) I didn't like to say Dave. There we go. Mark chapter Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 34. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways or deny your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up uh, your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father and and the holy angels. Wow. It's easy to read verses that encourage us and give us a promise of hope and it's not so easy to digest some of these verses that actually are the words from Jesus' mouth. And in this passage, we see one invite and three instructions. One invite and three instructions. And that's what we're going to just focus on now. The first one was the invite. I love an invite. So this is an opportunity for all of you to come to me after the service and say, Oh, do you want to come to ours for dinner or take me out for coffee? Yes! I love an invite, whether that's a wedding, a housewarming party, a birthday, bar mitzvah, barbecue. I don't mind. I love an invite, uh, especially when it does involve food. But the best invite that we have ever been given is an invite from Jesus Christ himself. Come follow me. And in this passage, he says, if you want to follow me, it's an invite. It's an invite that only you can RSVP to. It's your decision whether you alone will choose to follow him. And uh, this invite, it's a fantastic invite, it's the greatest invite, but there's also, it's to be followed by an instruction. There's a cost to consider. And you know, I, every wedding invite I uh, get sent, I love it, but I have learned to understand there is a cost. So when, when my initial thoughts are, hmm, free food, or you can eat buffet, yeah, or uh, music, spending time with friends. I, that's, that's great. Uh, but then I hear those words from my, my wife. You know, it does mean that I'm going to need a new dress for this every time. Not, not me, no. <laughs> words from my wife, Nettie. Yeah, she needs a new dress. Anyway, it's a, it's a free invite, but there is also a cost. There's also the cost. And if we were to accept this invite, this wonderful privilege of following Jesus and the free gift of eternal life, we should also accept his instruction. And so the first instruction that Jesus gave is this, deny yourself. Deny yourself. And we live in a narcissistic culture where we, it's easy and acceptable to be self-absorbed. If it feels good, do it. If it don't feel good, still do it. 
Uh, uh, I want to ask you a question, see if you can get this. Uh, who can guess what word earned its way to a place in the Oxford Dictionary in 2003? Anyone want to hazard a guess? Selfie. Selfie. Uh, MasterCard. This week, I've tried something out called Selfie Pay. So, brace yourselves. But uh, in time to come, we might be making our online purchases by making selfies of ourselves. So, Sally, the next time you're online wanting to buy, I don't know, a patio set or new chickens for Dave or something, you could be doing this. Uh, we, could, we, could be paying, we, could be, we could be paying for things online by taking uh, selfies. Um, and, and I have to say, I'm not averse to the odd selfie, especially on other people's phones. Uh, but I do feel challenged by these words of Jesus, deny yourself. It, it seems almost a, a foreign concept to us today, doesn't it, to, to deny ourselves. Uh, this week, I had a date night with Penny. Yes, I, I am romantic at heart. I took her somewhere where I wanted to go. Uh, so, of course, it had something to do with food. Or we can eat buffet. Uh, or you could eat buffet. Uh, I'm still paying for that as well. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if, about you or whether it's just me, but when I go for all you can eat buffet, I kind of want to eat as much as I can to get my money's worth. So, yeah, we're nodding, aren't we? <laughs> get, our, get our money's worth. So I, I'd had six plates. Uh, they weren't full plates, Nettie. They weren't full plates. And I thought I could just squeeze one more in. I think I've got it in me to go back to the curry platters. And... And Penny said something to me. She said, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> See, someone else is concerned about my weight as well, Gary. No, you're not. Uh, so it, under duress, I denied myself another plate. <laughs> Before I moved on to desserts. Because we know that's another, we know that's another stomach, don't we? Uh, separate stomach for puddings. That's what my kids tell me. But, but, but the denying yourself that, that Jesus spoke of... Uh, was not, I've, I've had all I can take now. I, I'm, I'm full up now. I, I'm full, so I'll move on. It, 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 the words that Jesus spoke weren't about being under duress. The, in fact, it was stronger. It was more forceful. It, it translates, I don't want that. That's the self-denial that Jesus was speaking of when he said, deny yourself. He was saying that we should be in a position in our own lives where we turn our back on the world and say, I don't want that. Can you imagine me, Penny, standing up in the middle of Peter Keynes on the table and shouting, I don't want that. But that's the literal translation is that I'm through with it. I'm through with the world. Denying yourself is saying, I don't want to live to please myself, but I want to live to follow Jesus Christ. Whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. And denying yourself doesn't mean that you stop being who God created you to be, but it will mean becoming who you are called to be. And Jesus went on to say that you could have the world, everything in it, all of the world. The riches, the pleasures, the fame, the glory, you could have it all and have nothing. Or we can lay it all down to take up Christ's invite and have all we will ever need. To deny ourselves. The second instruction was this, to take up the cross. That's a picture of a guy called uh, Lindsay Hammond. 
Uh, and Lindsay Hammond became a Christian back in 1987. And since then, he's carried this uh, 25 kilogram cross around the world, all over the world, to share about Jesus' love. Incredible guy. But, but Jesus' challenges uh, is for each of us this morning to take up our cross. And we often interpret taking up our cross as bearing the burdens of, of life, of suffering, of hurts, and, uh, and all those things that life throws at us. But, but what Jesus was saying to his disciples and to us today is this is going to be costly. Someone once said that taking up your cross is the strongest call to discipleship. The strongest call to discipleship. I'd have to agree with that. And when Jesus spoke into the crowds and to his disciples that day, they were fully aware of what the cross meant. They would have known that the cross was a a Roman form of terror, a persecution. They they would have seen the bodies that hung on the crosses as they went on their journeys. Maybe they were familiar with the stories of how Quintilius had had 2,000 people crucified on a single day just for his entertainment. They, they were well familiar with what the cross stood for. They, they were well familiar at the cost of the cross. Take up your cross were words that would have literal meaning for the disciples that day as they knew what the cross was all about. And, and even today, as we consider some of those things that have been in the news recently, the cross has been pushed to the forefront of our society again. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's Christians that are being persecuted by ISIS in Syria. Some say even thousands of Christians have been uh, crucified, nailed to a cross. Even in this last two weeks, a 12-year-old boy, and this gets me, a 12-year-old boy and a 17-year-old boy have been crucified, by, nailed to a cross by ISIS because they refused to deny Jesus. There's also an account of an older lady in one of the villages in Syria that was also taken to be killed on a cross. And the account goes that uh, as she was there being murdered, she looked up to heaven and she smiled and she said, Jesus. See, for some people, it's still very real and literal. And uh, some, some of the, Jesus' own followers discovered what it actually meant to take up their cross and plenty of people do in our world today. But they also discovered the joy of following Jesus Christ. And the hope of eternal life. And Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame. You see Jesus saw beyond the cross. He saw the joy of our redemption. He saw the joy of our salvation. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to take up our cross, but we also need to see the joy before and beyond the cross. In fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our lives, that we can see the joy that lies ahead. How is it that a 12 and a 17-year-old boy can willingly choose to be crucified instead of deny Jesus? How, how can an older lady on the streets of Syria be killed uh, and smile 
as that was happening. I tell you, it's because of the joy that was before them. It was because of Jesus, because of hope. And I think for our own situations, and there's a lot of situations that I'm aware of amongst us as a church family. Listen, we can endure. We can take up our crosses because of the joy of who we are following. The joy of the one who has gone before us to prepare a place for us. Let us understand the depths of what taking up our cross means because without a cross, there is no Christianity. It's because of the cross of Christ. And the, and the cross of Christ is where our journey begins. Taking up our own cross is where the journey continues. And maybe for some of you, you are very early on in that relationship with Jesus. You've accepted all that Jesus has done on the cross, but let me encourage you to take up your cross. Be a disciple and a follower of him. The third instruction that Jesus gave was this, follow me, follow me. Uh, There was an elite Japanese marathon runner called Natsuki who was yards ahead of all the other uh, runners in the 2011 Tokyo Marathon. And uh, in the final uh, few moments of those 26 miles in that marathon, he embraced the potential victory and the glory and the fame. And as the, the camera truck was in front of him, he followed the camera truck, what he thought was actually to the end of the race, but he mistook It, because the truck had turned off and he'd gone off course and he, he didn't win the race. He didn't win the race because he was following the, the glory of being on camera <laughs> rather than following to the finish line. Well, there's no wrong turn when you're following Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. In, um, in 1978, there's a guy called Michael H. Art and uh, he published quite a controversial book. I was obviously too young to remember it at the time. You might remember this, Gary. Um, (laughs) The book was called The 100, a ranking of the most influential persons in history. And as you can imagine, Jesus made the list. But Hart placed him third in the list behind Isaac Newton and Muhammad. And uh, that's why it became controversial at the time. But he made this statement, and the statement goes that he acknowledged that Jesus' teachings were surely among the most remarkable and original ethical ideas ever presented. But he continued, if they were widely followed, I would have no hesitation in placing Jesus first in the book. In my opinion, Jesus' influence on the world has been considerably diminished by those who claim to follow him, who do not abide by his teachings. That's tough. Dallas Willard, who's a a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California, compared following Jesus to becoming the apprentice of a master. I I love this analogy because for a number of years, my my dad trained me in the fine art of decorating, (laughs) painting and decorating. I was, I guess, his apprentice from the age of 13. It was great because I used to get loads of tips off the old ladies and my dad got none, but that's another story. (laughs) But uh, just following the example, and uh, Dallas Willard continued to say, a follower or apprentice is simply someone who has decided to be with another under appropriate conditions in order to become capable of doing what that person does or to become what that person is. I think that's really exciting. 
I think it's so exciting that Jesus has placed a call and an invite for us to follow him. And in that invite, and even in the instruction, he's shaping us and molding us, and we're becoming more and more like him. I think that's incredible, that for us to take on that, to take on Jesus' teaching, to put Jesus at the top of the list of most influential in our lives, I think that is incredible, because Jesus had an incredible impact on the world. The world was never the same again. And I just think for us and this place and other churches in our area, as we take on Jesus' teaching, as we understand his compassion and love for others, as we understand that he took up the cause and the cross for us to live for him, then this, this uh, town, this community can be changed. I'm going to ask if the guys would just come back. We're almost at the close of our meeting. It's not 5 to 11, Andrew. Clocks have changed. Jesus didn't just offer us a takeaway, but he challenged us to a take up. He did offer to take away our sin and our shame. He never promised to take away our suffering. In fact, he, there's a promise of Jesus that you will face suffering and trials in your life. But he did challenge us to take up. And in this, this life, we have an opportunity to change the world for him. As we live for him, as we discover a cause in living for him. And, and maybe this morning you've grown tired in life and maybe you've left behind that cause. I want to encourage you, will you take it up again? Will you take it up again? We, we, need, we need that. We need the cause in this area that God has birthed in your heart. I, I love the story of Elisha when he went to help the prophets. Uh, and they were building a school of prophets. And the story goes that one of the, one of the prophets who had borrowed an axe head off someone and as he was working away and, and working for God the axe head fell into the water and he panicked he panicked what am I to do this was borrowed this is a borrowed axe head but, but, but we read that uh, uh, something supernatural happened that Elisha Elisha sorry I'm getting on with me tis was with this Elisha threw a stick into the water and the stick supernaturally lifted up this axe head. It's supernatural. An axe head is heavy, sunk to the bottom of the murky waters, but the, 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 the uh, axe head floated to the top. And he said, take it up. Take it up. You were doing something for God's kingdom in building the school of prophets. You, you've dropped that, but now's the time to take it up. And church, I want to encourage us that maybe that we have been doing some great things and serving the church, but but maybe actually we've dropped something of our the cause that God has birthed and burned in our own hearts. I want to encourage you this morning. Take it up. Take it up. I want to, I want to also challenge you because maybe you've not even, prior to this point, understood, understood that it's an invite for you that only you alone can RSVP to. It's an invite to come follow Jesus. It's an invite to give your life to the one who gave his life for you. It's an invite to be sure and certain of an eternal hope. To enter into that place that Jesus prepared for you. It's an opportunity to enter into a relationship with Jesus. For him to take away that sin, that guilt, that, that, those things that we harbour in our own heart and life. It's an opportunity for you to take up a course to change the world. I want to challenge you, will you accept his free gift this morning? I'm going to ask if we can just bow our heads. 
maybe one or a few or all of those things have resonated in our own heart this morning. But out of those things, the most important thing you can do is give your life to Jesus. And in this moment, I'm just going to pray. And if you're not certain that you've even got a relationship with Jesus, if, you, if you've just been coming along to church, whether, but you're not completely sure whether you've made that decision in your own heart, whether you've alone have RSVP'd to Jesus' invite, then I'm going to encourage you to pray this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you stepped into the world and changed the world forever. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you took up the cause, that you lived and died for me so that I could know forgiveness of my own sins, the wrong things I've done in my heart, to lift the shame off me, to walk in relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you came back to life and in you we find new life. Lord Jesus, today I want to accept your invite that you've given me to follow you. In Jesus' mighty name. about. I want to encourage you, if you've said that prayer for the first time, or you're renewing that prayer because you know you've gone off track, then I want to encourage you, we're going to have a, t- a, t- a few minutes, of, moments of prayer soon. I would encourage you just to come out and share that with me or Adrian. And we'd love to point you in the right direction you start that journey, relationship with Jesus. So don't miss the opportunity, the invite that's been given to you. And maybe even now in this stillness that we just feel that burning desire in our hearts to take up a course. Maybe uh, God has spoken to you in the past about working with the homeless or reaching out to certain people in our communities or doing something to serve God in, the, in, in our church here. Then, Father, I just pray that you would reignite that desire. Stir that cause, fan into flame. Help us to take it up in this time. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite us to, to stand air. The guy's going to lead us in a final song. And uh, there's an opportunity for prayer this morning. Maybe it's that, that you want to respond to that, taking up the cause. Maybe you want to respond to Jesus, that he took up the cross for you. Maybe this morning you know that you've not been denying yourself, that you've been living your own life doing your own thing, but this morning you want to put it right with Jesus. Then I want to invite you just to come out as, a, as we stand to sing this final song and we would love the opportunity to pray with you. Amen. Come on, let's stand together. is my reward all of my devotion and there's nothing in this world can ever satisfy 